Okay, welcome to episode 12 of the Bear Tiger Club podcast. It's uh, hosted by myself this week. Zane is around uh, gallivanting, trying out a new country club in Portugal. Just a bit of housekeeping to start with. Firstly, our heartfelt condolences of the loss of our Queen Elizabeth II, who sadly passed this week. You know, an incredible reign and she'll be sorely missed by so many. And also, congratulations to Mr Lowry with a bogey-free win this week at... At the BMW, so ridiculous, fantastic performance. We've got two very, very special guests with me. Um, so now then, first of two guests. Well, what a resume! Walker Cup player, <laughs> Ryder Cup player. One as a pro, one as an am. Buckets of worldwide wins, and um, got a little thing called a green jacket in his day. <laughs> Mister Willett, how are you, sir? I'm very good. You? Very, very good. And then there's uh, the person responsible for uh, keeping the jacket clean, I <laughs> guess. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He'd been with Danny since the Masters, amongst working with other well-known pros in the day. I uh, have to mention the big dog, Mr. Muff. How are you, sir? How are you, mate? I'm good. You? All sound, mate. Monday morning, bright as a daisy. So It's one of us. <clears throat> I reckon we should just crack it back a little bit, Dan. Let's let's go yep. back a bit to where it all began. Imagine it was somewhere north at border. Um, and tell us how, how golf fell into your lap. Um... Well, I've got three brothers, two of them are older, and golf kind of just came about because it's the only thing I could really beat them at. Mm. Um, they were bigger than me, stronger than me, faster than me, football, anything else, they would kick my ass, to be quite frank. <laughs> so, like, when you got when you got golf and you realised that you could actually practice on your own, you didn't need anyone else there, and, you know, you kind of got hooked on it and, and realised that I could beat them pretty easily, uh, it was quite a nice, quite a nice thing to kind of pursue and keep doing. Um, I got lucky that two tram stops up the road was Pete Ball at Burley Wood Golf Club, who was, at the time, one of the best junior coaches around, uh, especially in Yorkshire. Um, kind of took me under his wing and gave me a set of clubs, shoes, balls, whatever I needed, oh. um, because he knew and he saw that there was a desire there to to keep getting better and to, to kind of keep practising. So, Was that a bit of a strange thing, you know, having three brothers, you know, I'm a single child, so maybe it's not so relatable, but to individualise yourself somewhat in a group of boys, which is probably quite a highly charged testosterone <laughs> thing, just to think, I'm going to go and make some in my eye and so I've got some upper hand on you lot. Yeah, like I said, it was it was the one thing that no one else could kind of get in the way and do anything, you know, else to practice with you. I could go, I could do my own bits and you can see the rapid progression um, when you're on your own. Like I said, Pete used to close down three holes in the middle of the week, which we could practice on. So I'd practice as soon as school finished, I'd go back home, I'd do a bit of homework, whatever it was, and then I'd go back up to the golf club and I'd practice. Uh, practice on my own. Pete would come out, give me a bit of a couple of tips, a couple of whatever, and then me and him would go and play a few holes and um just got yeah, got got really addicted and hooked to it because I could see how fast I was getting better and how much I wanted to learn and all the other stuff that kind of was entailed in it. And just really enjoyed kind of doing that. I've never I've never really liked team sports. <laughs> um <laughs> So that was one of them things where you're like, right, I can do this on my own. I can do this. I can do that. I can practice. I can see you getting better. I can chip. I can put. I can hit golf balls. Pete's giving me the ability to play a few holes. I can get better. He's giving me clubs, golf shoes, you know, and then kind of from there, you just, like I said, I just kind of got a bit hooked and that's all I knew really after school. So no doubt we'll move on to it slightly, uh, you know, going through the uh, going through the archives of the timeline of your career, but it definitely feels like that dogged, very passionate sort of, I'm, you know, I'm not going to stop until I nail this, was something that was ingrained in you from a very young age. Yeah, I always like to think that 
people from Yorkshire have yeah have got not not a bit between our teeth, but we we work hard for what we mm. what we achieve. And I've been fortunate enough to be around people that have wanted to help me on my journey. Really, um, Pete being one of them, and then Graham Walker and um, Pete and Mike, and you know what I mean. You, that kind of the journey's carried on over the last few years. So um, yeah, it was it was one of them where once I could see myself getting better, and I, you kind of set targets of who was the best junior at the time, who was the best under 18s, under 21, whatever it may be, and you kind of set targets to try and chase them down. And it didn't matter who I practised with, I could practise on my own, I could practise with my brothers, I could play with my brothers, or I could play on my own. It doesn't. Golf's an amazing sport that you can play with someone off 28 or you can play with someone off plus five. Yeah, um, you can play with someone who's 12, you can play with someone who's 50. You know, it doesn't really matter. So Pete had a really good collection of juniors up there and everyone wanted to get better. Pete, Pete made a really good environment for guys who wanted to get better. Gave them the availability of the golf course and the practice facilities. And if they wanted to come and work, they could come and work. If they didn't, Pete would kind of discard them. So Pete was really, really, really big on just just, just working hard and seeing where you kind of got. Yeah, um, who was your nemesis? Eh? Who was your nemesis? Who did you want to beat when I you were nev- a kid? I never really had a nemesis. I remember the Faldo series, <laughs> Ollie Fish and Rory were basically the two best juniors in the world at under 16 and under 18 level. And in fairness, Rory's still there now. So, you know, you, you you try and beat them or you try and get close to them and what they can achieve. And, I mean, I got relatively close to, to both of them um, and was able to achieve quite a lot as an amateur, as a, as a junior, as an amateur. But no, not really a nemesis, just more of someone who, you know, they were in the England squad. You know, I wanted to get in the England squad, you know, so you just, you, you had to try and beat them um, and do as good as you could. Yeah, perfect. I mean, and, and I think, um, yeah, just to mention names like that, you've obviously gone through a portion where, you, you know, you started out taking golf on from an individual basis and all of a sudden you're in a realm where, you know, for the listeners, they're going to start recognising some of these names really, really quickly. So it's a it's a certain rise to fame. I, I remember reading, doing a little bit of my research, I didn't realise that you'd gone through the collegiate system in the States as well. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I only did two in a bit years. It was always something that I wanted to do. When I was growing up, firstpointusa.com was like a big... Yeah, Lorne uh, Kelly. Yeah, Lorne was, was was like a big part of collegiate golf and getting guys into it. And it was always something that I fancied doing. I travelled the world. I didn't mind being away from home. And I thought that it was going to be a really nice stepping stone in what I was going to try and achieve. Mm. So I actually signed to Jacksonville State University before I kind of won anything. So I'd already signed with Coach Hobbs, who was a great guy. And then shortly after I signed, I finished third in Will Boys and I won a couple of tournaments and then a few other kind of collegiate systems kind of got in touch asking us to go there and do this and do that. But I'd already signed with Coach, so I, I stayed I stayed with him. I stayed pretty, I stayed loyal and I stayed, you know, true to my word and I said I'd go and, and play with him. So I played I, I played for Coach for two and a bit years and I had a great time. I learned to be on my own. I learned to get up in there every morning and practice. I learned to go get up and go to school, do your work, go to the gym, do everything that, you need to be able to do as a professional golfer, basically sent off on my own to do it as an amateur. Yeah, I can't um, remember the name of the course that you uh, go and do your um, playing assessment out there. Of all the, it's up in Scotland. Is it Mere Park or? Um, but I went through that system as well with Lorne, and yeah. uh, it's it's a it's a proper grind. You know, you're in you know you're in the box. Some serious golfers as well. Didn't didn't fortunately get through, but um, no, it's, uh, it's funny how uh, our tides meet. So so that obviously then led you into having to make a decision. And at this point, I assume after that, it's now thinking, are we going to go try our chance of a pro or did you come back and play some of the amateur circuit thereafter? 
Uh, I played a good bit of the amateur circuit. I won the Spanish amateur, which got me into the Spanish Open. Um, finished, I think I finished eleventh or twelfth there. Solid. And then I played the Open, the Andalusia, and I think I finished seventh. And kind of so I played a couple of events as an amateur. And I was like, you know what? Do it a bit. Here. I've got a sniff here. Like if I can get my head down and do and get some invites and do it. So I turned pro. I went. I went back to college for like a week, the September of might have been oh seven or eight, whatever it was. Um, and said to coach, so "Look, I'm really sorry, but I want to turn pro." Yeah. Um, and he was obviously disappointed. Tried talking me out of it, um, but turned pro shortly after that, and basically played at the European Tour at the time. Uh, I got my seven invites, and I wasn't I wasn't able to make my money up or the card that I needed to make at the time. So then went through all three stages of Q school, but them nine events from two of them as an amateur and seven of them as a pro, you kind of realise like what you did good, what you did bad. Have you got a chance? And where it was, so that kind of gave me a bit of confidence in that I was I was I was the best amateur in the world. But you're up against a, you're up against the big boys now. And where does your game stack up? How do you you know how do you go about things? What do you like? What do you not like? Uh, and the, like the traveling side of things, the guys have always gone, oh yeah, I don't like traveling here or doing this. But for me, I'd already been in America for two and a half years on my own. Yeah, you know, from seventeen. So I, the traveling side of it was was easy. For me, it was more. I wanted to make sure that I did it on my terms and did it properly. And I didn't want to do it too early. Uh, and I didn't want to miss the boat either. Like a few guys have kind of stayed amateur to play World Cup to do, you know, silver medal, all the other things. But I didn't want to miss that boat that I'd, that, you know, I was playing good at the time. So I, so I kind of wanted to just kind of get me, get me teeth into it and, uh, and see what I could do. So did you go through the full Q school process as well? Yeah, I went through all three stages. I went to Germany for the first stage and won that. And then went to Spain and finished like 12th. And then, yeah, finished third at, uh, 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 finals. finals. Then you got your full card. When's this around? Sort of 2008, 2009 time? Yeah, would have been 08, 09, yeah. Yeah. So obviously we know there's a rich reign of form coming in a few years after that, but what was that period like sort of getting your card? And I guess to start with, the process is right, let me keep it and then we'll start working our way up. Yeah, the first, first protocol every year, get enough points up to keep your card, whatever that is at the time, money or points or whatever it is. The first protocol in any one year, I think when you're first starting out, is, right, what did 110th make last year? We're going to try and make that. And then anything after that is then a bonus. Yeah. Uh, I remember that first year out, I finished 15th or 60th on the on the race to Dubai. Nice. So I actually got to Dubai my first year, which was a hell of an effort from, obviously, a, a, a tour school card. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because obviously on a tour school card, for those that won't know, you won't have the privileges of playing all of the top tier events. You'll have to amass points in events that, well, you probably need higher place finishes, right? In in sort of sort of tier two and tier three events in yep. order to get through and then get re ranked and yep. so on. And that's a pod on itself, I think that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, that's that's a long winded one, one. So when did the first professional win come? Uh, BMW International, two thousand twelve, Germany. Nice. I've been professional for three years. Some people thought it was a bit. Longer than what it should have been, but um, it's hard. You yeah. know, it, it's hard to win. I'd, I'd, I'd played a lot of events. I played good. I played bad. I played indifferent. Um, but to actually get in, in and around the leaderboard a few times and learn how it was, it was a, f- I think it was a five or six old playoff with Marcus Fraser around the lake on the left at um, Cologne. Quite a good way to win, I think. Not, not, not stress free, um, but quite a good way to win on a tough golf course. Yeah. Tough playoff hole. Loads of water on that course. Loads of, well, loads of water. Hit some really good shots in the playoff uh, and eventually tapped in for a, for, for a par that won it. I think I think it was a fifth. It might have been six. Uh, extra playoff hole. And that felt like, you know, a good win. Uh, what started an embarking of 
Danny only wins really good tournaments. <laughs> and and that felt like it was a little bit of water off the duck's back a little bit. Like yeah. you said, some people thought it took too long for you to get right in the winner's circle. Because obviously the march from that point through to 2016, which I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly, was just quite monumental. You just seemed to start amassing wins and being in the being in contention all the time. Yeah, I had a really, I had a really nice run of form, 14, 15, 16, um, where I, I made loads of cuts. I had a lot of chances to win all around the world, world golf championships, finished decent in majors, and kind of knocked off. I think I would have knocked off four decent wins in in mm. like a two and a half year period. And like I said, winning winning on tour is hard, you know. So actually, just for me, getting in position to win is is the most difficult bit. When you're there, I, I feel like if, if you're in contention, your game's in a good place. You can have a good sniff at, at maybe polishing it off, but actually getting into contention is the difficult bit. Yeah, because it seems like uh, your record, you convert a lot of chances when you're right in and around it, which is a, a skill in itself. But so was there ever a period, because I remember, you, you know, you're, you're comfortably in the top 50 in the world at this point, I think. Was there ever a period where you're thinking, I'm going to go and renounce my European tour status and get onto the PGA Tour earlier? Or No, I've, I've always wanted to play both tours. You know, I've grown up watching Westy and Keimer and G-Mac and Pulse playing both tours and doing well. Obviously, Rory now doing it. I wanted to play both tours. Mm. You know, Europe is my home. Yeah. Um, but the PGA Tour is is the PGA Tour. It's, the, you know, it's, it's, it's arguably the best tour in the world. So I wanted to try and do both, which I've... You know, if we're being all in all honesty, I've probably struggled with trying to split time, trying to split what you're doing, where you're living, everything that kind of kind of goes hand in hand with it. Kids, yeah, everything, everything. So you know, I've not played good enough to kind of do it as good as I could do. Um, but I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I've given it a pretty good run for five or six years and yeah, played yeah. both because you get the experience. You know, you know, having been pro for five years, you know, you win Augusta, you get then the full PGA Tour card for five years, effectively. But you're a rookie again. You've got to play golf courses that you've never played before. Mm. On the European tour, I've played every golf course probably that's that's on the schedule. Yeah. So the PGA tour, you go out there, you're playing. The, the strength and depth is better, uh, and you're playing golf courses that you've never played before. So it's all, it's all a bit of a learning curve. It's all tough. And yeah, I, even to this day, I think if if I, if I were to answer it honestly, I've still probably not found the right the right balance in terms of how many events I'm playing and, uh, and where I'm playing. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. And it's we'll a moving continue. target it as well, is, right? it's, it's tough, you know. Each year, you know, you get five or ten young guys out of college that are amazing. Um, you get the same guys that are, you know, top ten in the world that are still playing well. So, you you know, you're kind of slotting in and trying to play your game and trying to play well to give yourself some chances to win some golf tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you bridged on it. We've kept talking about it. I think something that people are absolutely definitely going to want to hear about. And I think it's when the muster actually starts to uh, make more of an appearance is <laughs> Augusta National, or April 2016. Just a monumental week. I mean, you're obviously going into it in form, you know, as the American press often will do, that they'll talk about the players in and around there and, and there'll be a lot of attention towards them. I think Jordan had a lot of attention just to how he'd played. Um, he'd won it the year previous, didn't he? Yeah, he won it in 2015. Um, so obviously to get into a situation like that, I think the first three rounds somewhat take control of themselves mm-hmm. and you were just, as you, as you as you say, just keeping yourself in the shop window and giving yourself an opportunity to pounce should you need to. And then I think we come round to the final round, which is where all of the attention goes back to around 2016 because it was such a, a monumental move through the field. I mean, did you start five or six back on the first hole? Yeah, I started five back from Jordan. 
And through nine, I was still five back. He played, he shot two under, he shot two under. But he was kind of spreading himself away from the field. Me and Westy were five and six back at the time, I think. So, yeah, he was basically giving himself a really massive margin mm. and looked like he was obviously going to gonna go back to back. Um, but we kept his head down and we played we played brilliant on that back nine, really. Just to break that down, because obviously there's so much pressure that comes around the corner. What was your strategy going into the corner? And were you trying to see if I can take two out of him here? I might have a, I might have a sniff still or... Yeah, you don't really know. Uh, Amen Corner is obviously really famous for people having calamities. Um, <laughs> it, it just is. It's, it's it's a really tough stretch of holes. But if you hit it well, you can make a score and you can then, you know, you can have a two, three shot swing. Yeah. So, yeah, we hit a great six iron into, into 10, med par, simple par on 11, pretty simple par on 12. I hit it right edge of the bunker, stayed a little bit short, two putted for par. So you kind of threw the, you kind of threw the holes where you feel like you could have a real mess up. Yeah. Um, 13 onwards, you've got two par fives, you've got a couple of short par fours. You've got some good looks at birdies coming down the stretch if you're playing well. Yeah, and also um, that pin on 16 on a Sunday, you've got to put it in the right spot, but everything canvas towards it. Augusta set that golf course up to score on a Sunday. You'll have seen all the pins, like even, you know, thinking back now, because I've watched it so much on television, you almost it's almost like you've had a practice round you know where the pins are going to be. You've seen shots spin back in on seven, close. You've seen you've seen shots gather into eight. You know nine. If you get the right tee, you can hit it close. You you know you know where them pin locations are. So you kind of feel like it was only my second year there, but you kind of feel like you've played it a few times. Yeah. Just because you've watched it on television, you've seen Tiger and the guys at great shots and and do whatever. So I think that in itself helps it because you're on the same golf course year in year out. Yeah, I've um, done 100 hours on the Masters PlayStation, so I reckon if I get a chance... You'll be fine. I'm, spin, it, spin it back on seven, you'll be yeah, fine. Tiger Woods I'm, I'm, Golf. I'm, yeah, <laughs> Tiger Woods Masters Edition. I think I broke it playing it so much. Uh, the old, you know, you get the old red ball tapped up. Yeah, so I think, you know, moving through the motions on that back nine, though, there's obviously something that's there's, there's something that's come through, and you, again, you put the gas on. Obviously, you, like you said, you must have had a chat with... We're smarty at the time, and you know, thirteen and fifteen. You think we've got to take something out the, uh, got to take something out the course here and see how we look. Yeah, I mean, thirteen's a great chance, but you need to get your tee shot away. Yeah, and I was in primarily in a fade at the time, but I actually, you know, me and Smarty said you've got to take this one on a little bit. So we tried, we hit, we've hit three wood all week, so we actually tried to hit driver and actually keep it really tight to the left so that we could have a shot in and and kind of hold the green. We hit five iron in two putted for a birdie, <clears throat> stiffed a wedge on fourteen. Um, unfortunately, I hit it like kind of left on 15. Wasn't able to go for the green, so I had to lay it up. Hit a nice wedge into like 10, 12 feet and missed that. But at the time, I was like, well, you know, we've, we've picked up a couple. Four under through 15 here, yeah. So Four under through 15, making his way nicely through. But I think Jordan at the time, again, I'm not sure. I think he still had a four-shot lead. Right. Or a three-shot lead. And then as the flag's gone back in on 15, the crowd just went mental. Everyone's doing and are in. We, like, we kind of turned around and Jordan went from seven to three, I think it was, or two even. I, I, I can't quite remember. Yeah. But Wesley had just chipped in on 15 um, for Eagle. So Wesley had just got to three. Jordan must have been two. I was at four. Yeah. So all of a sudden from absolutely nowhere. You're leading the Masters. You're leading. But you're actually leading from a good pal of yours who's actually playing in that group. It's not like you're leading from the guy who's three or four groups back. You're now leading from Westy. And did you then at that point, did you have, I know, well, I know there's a moment at in, in, in the, in, in the 16th where you, where you go and have two, 
a moment with yourself, but was was part of the mentality to think this is the final group now? Like, have a final group mentality. If I beat him, I've got a really, really good chance. Uh, yeah, it well, it was more, again, very fortunate to be in the position that we were in and we got the lead late on a Sunday. We weren't sleeping on it. It wasn't really in the back of your mind for a couple of days or whatever. We got there late. You know, we were leading on 15. For your first major, that is probably as perfect as it can yeah. be because you're already in the zone of trying to press for birdies. Yeah, you're warm. Um, trying to catch him down. You're already warmed up. You're not going to sleep on anything. You are, <clears throat> you're in a pretty aggressive mode of playing. So yeah, I went, I went, yeah, I needed, I needed a toilet. So I went and had a wee and actually said <laughs> the cabin behind 16, just said, you know, three, five good swings. What did that, did somebody just say, hey man, you're leading the Masters? <laughs> <laughs> a did, lot of people somebody, did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And obviously, Maffy, you were there and um, I know you were working with ISM at the time and I think you were there with Fitzy, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. But like, what's kind of happened, like the rupture that, because obviously it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, Augusto. I noticed from going to many events, there's not as many scoreboards there or not as many scoreboard opportunities not, as you get. No, no electric stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you're just waiting for some young lad who they've pulled out of high school, like get, <laughs> get them white plates up on the wall, kid. Let's have a, give us a chance here. Yeah, yeah. There's absolutely no way of really, you know, a European tour event, PGA tour event, every, it's digital, every hole almost, yeah. you know, there's, there's something there you know how far you've hit it away, you know what your stats are, all the stuff up, but there's something quite nice within Augusta that it's all scoreboards and you know where they are. So you know from where they are and what people are doing around a golf course, you kind of get the vibe of of how the energy is and how it's all flowing through. You can hear it from the trees, you can hear it echoing round, you know if someone's made bogey, you know if someone's made birdie. The noises that run through that golf course are just phenomenal. Mm. And yeah, that, that on 15, like I said, when Smarty put the flag in, everyone was just like, oh. And we kind of looked around, not really looking, like not really paying much attention, thinking, oh, he might have made bogey. I think he dropped five. I think he made nine. Yeah, <clears throat> I, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was all a bit of a blur, to be honest. Um, so so, so, so you, you were there. Were you were you up near the clubhouse? Probably having a beer, weren't you, something? <laughs> no. I, um, yeah, Fitzy had gone because we played, or he played early, uh, sent him on his way. He was going uh, to Hilton Head. And then. Yeah, I went back out. I was like, I'll go watch Dan finish. Not thinking, well, not really knowing what was going to happen. And then, yeah, obviously Birdie's 16. I was trying to find his pals because he was there with all his mates that, that year. Because hmm. uh, obviously Zach had just been born. My wife luckily let me go as well because I just had <laughs> twins. So we were kind of uh, in similar situations at that point, I suppose. But yeah, I remember bumping into Slammer, one of Danny's best mates, uh, later to be caddy. Yeah, and he, he we started sort of hugging each other and saying Dan's gonna <laughs> Dan's gonna win the Masters, which was surreal. But yeah, it was a pretty insane moment, really. Mm. But and you still had a, you st- so I mean, which is lovely to know that that was going on, and yeah. obviously the elation and uh, and what's to come after that is is probably a story in itself. But you still got three holes to get through. <laughs> Sixteen, you know, it's just about landing that in the right spot, isn't it? Yeah, sixteen's actually with that with the Sunday flags actually a really good birdie chance. But you've got it at the right shot. Yeah. Uh, you leave it on top, it's really tricky to put. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was 178, absolutely flushed an 8-iron trying to draw it in off that middle slope to about 8, 10 feet, straight below the hole. Westy had three-putted, and then when I rolled that in, all of a sudden, I had a three-shot lead. Out of absolutely nowhere, you've got a three-shot lead, and then it's like, deep breaths. <laughs> this is actually happening. 
Yeah, and 17 and 18 are no mugs, are they? Do you know what I mean? So y- your concept around five good swings here is absolutely still rife. I yeah. mean, 17 sneaky hard. Yeah, 17's yeah. Um, So tight. So straight. Uh, I- I've never played it with the Eisenhower tree there, um, so I don't know what it was like before, but it would have been even, it would have been ridiculously tight before. So yeah, just, just the hardest holes at times in golf are just bang straight. Yeah. Tree line both sides. You've got a couple little jut outs. It's, you know, it's a good drive and it's, a wedge or a nine-nine, which doesn't seem that crazy, but no. if you're out of position, you, you're trying to hook or slice a wedge or a nine-nine, you know, 20 yards around a tree. So yeah. I hit a good tee shot, but actually just went into left semi, uh, and then I had to try and hit a big high draw over the trees with nine-nine, um, and actually went a bit long into, ordinarily would be a relatively simple place, but that year, because of how the golf course was playing really firm, really fast, it was actually a, a terrible spot to be, but it probably hit the best chip this wedge shot. I will ever it. I, I mean, I, I think you hit some great shots all that week, but I mean, for those that know golf, I mean, all of all of the, the lap of the gods were against you there, weren't they? I mean, there was, yeah. I mean, that was tight as anything. Mm-hmm. It was slightly down. You had to really nip it. Yeah, it's like on a little down slope because of how it curves off up the back. You had to nip it into a little upslope, kind of get it checking just on top. And then again, some years are slower than others, whatever it was, but that year, particularly that year was really fast. So, it basically had to almost stop on the top of the crest to get down there. You know, you can hit it to six feet, no worries. But to be able to actually almost walk up and tap that in from from a foot, you know, your hands are shaking. You know, you're terrified. You've never been in this position before. So, yeah, to actually be able to to kind of pull that off when when that feels like that so that you can actually just tap it in because under them circumstances, the last thing you want is a three foot down, yeah. left to right, whatever it may be. At this point, the heart rate's going up a little bit. You just want holes behind you. You, <laughs> exactly. want, to be, you want to be in the hutch and say, right, catch me. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah Billy, Billy, a- Billy walking up with his thumb in the air was uh, quite a sort of iconic moment, I think, for that. Yeah. And I think he appreciated how difficult that shot was. And he yeah. worked with Seve and some, <laughs> some of the greatest. He's seen them all, isn't he, yeah. Billy? Yeah. So, um as soon as that gets to the brow and that just sort of almost like the cheddar just kind mm-hmm. of gives up and then just... Yeah. So the momentum takes it down to the hole. It's just a, a, a filth shot, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, like I look, I, you know, I go back there every year and try and hit the chip, but it's not the same because that particular year, the golf course was tough. Mm. It was firm, it was fast, um, it was windy. You know, so you go back there normally and actually when it's not crazy firm or not crazy fast, it actually seems like quite a big area to, yeah. to, to kind of chip it into. But when it was firm as it fast as it was, it kind of, you know, your area felt, felt tiny what you're trying to pitch in. Um, so yeah, to obviously pull that off when, you know, when you're under the gun, your hands are shaking was, was, was pretty, was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So you're coming up 18, get your drive away pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then is it, you know, it's just a process then, isn't it? Still stick to your processes. And it is. I mean, that flag again, you know, the flag on 18 is a great birdie chance. Yeah. You know, we, we threw it off the tee and left ourselves about 175, 180 in. So I had seven iron in my hands, taking a bit off a of seven iron. And basically the only thing that's in your head is miss it. Right. Yeah. Even if you go in the bunker, you're going to have a good chance to be able to use the bank and do whatever, but just miss it right. So first port of call was hold on for dear life <laughs> and make sure that it starts just up the right-hand side, which it did. Uh, it went pretty straight. I got a little bit of a... I, I did get quite a nice little kiss off the cush, if you actually watch it back, hmm. to kind of hit it into like 15, 18 feet. And then I don't know why, I was boiling all day, but a bit of superstition, never took my jumper off and then decided to take it off up there because you kind of... You've hit all your shots now, all it is is a putt, so you're kind of thinking that you can't really mess that up. But um, obviously I'd been, 
I was trying to script all the clothes and get the match in the green and this and this, but you know, it never, you never really think that it's going to come to fruition and it's actually going to be that iconic. Mm. But yeah, to have the white trousers and the green and the green golf shirt on was was pretty special. Yeah, it was a, it was an incredibly special moment and an incredibly special moment. I think actually, and I'm not sure whether or not it's ever been relayed to you, but for just British golf fans, it was it was a massive thing. You know, obviously we have the Open here. Um, and the Ryder Cup are really, really special for golf fans. But there's just something about the Masters, you know, the first major of the year. It really embarks the opening of the golf season. We hadn't had an English winner since Sir Nick, you know, and uh, it was just a massive thing for English golf. I think you touched a lot of hearts. It was a, it was a really, really, really special moment for everyone involved. Yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think we realised how big it was until we got home. Until we got to the players. That was yeah, I mean, four mental. weeks later, but you know, I mean. There's, there's obviously been British golfers. There's been myself, uh, Nick, uh, Wuzzy, Sandy. You know, it's like it's. There's been some great golfers that have won it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for the English, for, for the English guys, obviously, just me and Sir Nick is, is 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 a pretty cool group to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah. But like I said, it's not. It's yes, it's a major. Yes, it's important. Yes, it's a, a huge event. But I, I don't think I ever truly grasped how big of a win it was until and uh, until kind of the next I don't know three four months with everything that kind of went with it and I think that's where Muffy your involvement goes into turbo right I mean all of a sudden it, it, there was just it's just like the PR must have just been mad after that yeah it was it was crazy wasn't it I remember going to drive into Dan's house and there were people on the lane he lives in quite a remote area and there were yeah reporters cameras uh, you name it they were all down the down his lane trying to get a piece of him which was which was a bit mental and we went and did some some media stuff around at Lindrick which is quite close by but yeah it was crazy and then you kind of it was crazy in the UK but then when you got back to America you kind of just see how how massive it is you know it's that that major just is it's different to any other I think yeah, you know I agree um I mean obviously the open for us is huge but I think outside of that it's you know Definitely, the Masters is just like yeah, it is something else. We were going, we were going for dinner, and people were chasing us down to get him to sign flags. It was, it was a little bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> End up turning into a bit of a bodyguard for a couple of months, to be honest. Is that why you got those inflatable guns? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, they've gone now, mate. They've gone. I don't need them anymore. <laughs> it's dad bod time now, mate. Just embrace it. <laughs> And, and and still though, I mean, some some really good golfs come after that. Obviously, won the DP World um, and, and have continued to sort of play at the, at the top level. You know, what does what does the sort of next couple of years really feel like? Um, you know, you, where are you trying to get to? Or um, yeah, I've not I've not quite been I've not quite been at the level in terms of world ranking that I'd like to be at for the last kind of four or five years. But you know, we've had injuries. We've been trying to blow, yeah. play both tours. You know. Obviously, life, you know, two little kids. But, yeah, my main goal is to get back to where I think I should be in the world rankings, which is a top ten player in the world. And, you know, we work hard and we try and do that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, I've, I, I, yeah, I, I just want I, – I know what I can achieve. I know what I can do when I've got the chance to mm. perform. Um, and I just like to give myself more chances so that, you know, I, I can potentially do that. So, yeah, these last few years have now been to try and – get the consistency back up, kind of the consistency I had in 15, 16, to give myself a few more sniffs, you know, because if, yeah. if I get a chance and I get in contention, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good. So the main thing is actually just just getting there is, 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 yeah, is a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I'm sort of conscious of time, so I'm going to roll through the remaining bits. It's not like I'm stopping you from getting to the airport to fly back to Napa. So, uh, <laughs> so as long as you don't go and drink all the JLT's wine in <laughs> the 19 vineyards he owns, it'd be, uh, it'd be ecstatic about that. So I thought we'd just do a couple of bits. I've got some quick fire round stuff for both of you. So I'll start with Dan. Right, starter or dessert? Starter. Really? After the week we've had? Yeah, I know. I just, I, I like, I do, I, I, I like a prom cocktail or a carpaccio. Nice. Stay at home or hotel for events? Hotel. feel like I get kind of get more in the zone and you're kind of, you're kind of in it a bit more. Lay up to a number or hit it as close as possible? Hit it as close as possible. Same will be happy. <laughs> Favourite course you've not won on? Um, Good question. I know, because I knew the answer to the other side of it. Bale, yeah. maybe? Yeah, Bale's a great golf course. Royal County Down. Phenomenal yeah. golf course. Nice. Favourite ice cream flavour? <laughs> Got to be pralines and cream. Oh, go on, boy. Have you had a better manager than Muffy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Post-round drink? Uh, Diet Coke, usually. Solid. Holiday location? Lake Como. Nice. Green jacket or jacket potato? Green jacket. Silly question. <laughs> <laughs> right, Muffy. Skips in Skipton or August in Augusta? <laughs> August in Augusta. <laughs> Rip bodden sciatica or dad bodden walk normal? Uh, dad bodden walk normal. <laughs> Post round drink? Oh, um, water. Sparkling. Never. <laughs> You've never drunk sparkling water yeah. after a round in your life. That's for the, that's for the fans, that is. Yeah. If you were stuck on a desert island with only one call, who would it be? Oh, my wife. I've got to say that, Anna. <sighs> Me. <laughs> Holiday location for the muffs? Um, probably. Orlando with me. Orlando. Abbasock in Wales. <laughs> What's the best club in your golf bag, Muffy? Oh, God. Putter. Nice. What that is one, it? That one that fishes the balls out at water. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a limited edition one that Dan gave me. There you go. Odyssey. Question perks marks on the, the bottom. Who wants a pension when you get, when you get perks like that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Muffy, what's the best goal shot you've seen on tour as a manager? Ooh. Uh, am I allowed to talk about the one? Oh, that wasn't on tour, was it? I was what? going to say the Sunningdale. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a little sneak. That's a snicket, isn't it? Keep, uh, I mean, it. that was up um, there, to be fair. Oh, God, best golf shot. I'd, I'd, probably Dan's drive on 18 under the pressure at Augusta. Good think. Yeah, I'm, imagine if you'd have had a whoop on then in 2016. Yeah, it'd have been about 150. <laughs> It'd have been like one of your Peloton rides, exactly. I reckon. Yeah. Right. When okay. you stood on the side of the fairway thinking, Duh, it's in the trees here, mate. Don't Please, come on. Don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so normally on the pod as well, we normally do a heads gone where like you've had something happen to you during the week where something's just made you have like a blowout on your head. And this thing happened to me this week. So you guys have a quick think if you got any. But, I mean, it, it does my absolute nutting. People that wear sunglasses in pitch black. Even worse than that. Muffed it a few weeks ago. <laughs> Even that. People who do sunglasses in nightclubs absolutely dirt turns me over that. What about... Um, I mean, you can't see nothing, especially you've got the old polarised nudges. You're in right pickles. Can't see anything. What about uh, golf fans uh, swinging an umbrella around? Love, I love that. that one. Saw that this week. <laughs> there was plenty of them this week. Or a volunteer swinging a quiet police sign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a few. I'm sure there's a few. Right, we'd be remiss just not to talk a little bit about Bear Tiger Club. Obviously, we've been um, over the moon, Dan, that you've come on board and been an ambassador. You've spent a lot of time understanding about the project, seeing that you think that there's definitely an opening for the future of the market there. 
you know, not so much just inside IRL events, like, but also just golf moving into a more digital format. So thank you for doing that. There's, there's, you know, we hope that there'll be plenty more to uh, to come on the media side with Danny um, in the near future for all of those that are listening. Muffy, you're always a, you're always a legend. Yeah, you're on the WhatsApp twenty four seven. Your work ethic's unbelievable. So, thank you very much for Thanks, for both coming on. Um, for all those listening, remember like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, yeah, where's uh, you know we'll we'll catch you very soon and have a safe flight to Napa. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks, bud.